Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Well, hi, Bill. Welcome back. Hi, Bobby. Uh, yes, it's uh, we're in the 12 days of Christmas or holiday season, however you celebrate it. I know it's a wonderful holiday spirit. People just their spirits are visibly lifted. There's cookies everywhere. I've eaten far too many of those. So yeah, it's a great time of year. It is. No matter how you celebrate, I think it is an important time to just really focus on the people around you that you can be, that you're that you have the opportunity to interact with and all the blessings that each one of us have and just to take be mindful of all the things around us and to celebrate them so whether it's in nature or people or opportunities or anything else for that reason it really is one of my favorite times of year that and of course the christmas song <laughs> <laughs> the christmas song yes which you got to sing for us and all our, our listeners are all just uh missing out on yeah. marshmallow world yeah or maybe not anyway <laughs> well you know i thought this would be a great time since we're kind of reflecting is to also just look ahead to 2023 and gosh it seems like we just did this not that long ago looking ahead to 2022 i think our predictions were pretty good. So we'll see how well we do with predicting what's going to happen in 2023. Yeah. Although I have to say, I remember it was a, a Professor Tribe, a lawyer from Harvard Medical School, very famous. One time I heard him talking and said, you know, those who use glass balls to, or crystal balls to predict the future should be prepared to eat glass or something along those lines. Yeah. You never know. But you never right. know. It is hard to believe, honestly, as we do this, Bobby, that we really started doing this weekly when the pandemic struck. Now it's going to be three years ago in this coming year, which is kind of mind boggling to think about, because in the one hand, it seems like there's been so much that happens. And then the other, it seems like it's all gone so quickly. But I do think 2023 is going to be a very pivotal year. People get very sensitive about saying the pandemic is over. But I think as we continue to normalize to a world with COVID, Mm -hmm. uh, as one of the pathogens that's out there and the, and all the aftermaths from it. Yeah. There's, I think 2023 is going to be a big year. The first, of course, one of the most important will be in the U S in particular will be the public health emergency. And when yeah. that finally is, is rescinded and what that will mean. Yeah. And that's a great place to start. So just a reminder for everyone, it's the federal public health emergency. It's the U S department of health and human services and they have to either renew or rescind the public health emergency for COVID-19 every 90 days. So they have to keep renewing it if they wanna maintain certain healthcare flexibilities, waivers. And this is amazing, Bill. It's been in place since January 27th of 2020. So wow. it's been in place for a long time. And the latest extension is effective through January 11th. But the administration has said that they're going to give us at least a 60-day notice before the public health emergency ends. So if it's due in January 11th, it sounds like it's going to have to get renewed again. We'll see yes. how I'm interpreting that. But after that, it's hard to know what will happen. Yeah, and I think that not to get you and I have used this podcast a lot to talk about 
some of the, I don't want to say minutia, but some of the, the ins and outs of how the government works, the federal government. But I don't think it's by law. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a legal requirement for the 60-day noti notification, okay. but it's something HHS committed to. And just to remind people, there was a public health emergency for monkeypox too, which has been rescinded. And there wasn't a 60-day notice again, because it's not a requirement. What a public health emergency does, it gives the HHS authority allows it to break some of the rules, if you will, um, to give it more authority to do things that need to be done expeditiously. So yeah, a couple of good examples will be the changes on who was eligible for Medicaid and Medi I think is one, Medicaid eligibility to get more people covered during the public health emergency, a big one. Another one was for those of us in lab medicine was a relaxation of, of needing to have, you know, a, a CLIA license for anyone that's performing sign-out activities, you know, clinical activities, even in their home. Some of the things, particularly digital pathology, there were waivers on some of those requirements. And virtual health, that's for us as virtual health, but there, there were a lot of waivers for virtual health and virtual healthcare delivery. And then last but not least is actually CMS's authority to set the price of the reimbursement rate for COVID testing. All of those things, once a public health emergency expires, will go away. So that's why it's really important. And that's why the 60-day notice was because it's going to have big ramifications, not just for labs, but for healthcare across the country and healthcare delivery across the country. These are really big things. And I think if the Medicaid funding changes, then people would start being removed from the Medicaid roles. That would probably leave some people uninsured. So that's a huge change. And then, of course, like you said, the lack of need for independent CLIA waivers for or CLIA licenses for practicing off-site, that's going to be a huge one for pathology as well. Yeah, I agree. And so, I mean, just so people, I mean, this is the level, also the Medicaid, I think it has to do with how much is being covered by the, the federal government versus the state. So there's a big impact on state budgets and all those sorts of things. And that's why it's so critical. I think on the one hand, from a more of a conservative viewpoint, there's a real push to get rid of the public health emergency because they want, it's more about not making the federal government too powerful, the limits and the checks and balances between the, the power of the federal versus the state government particularly as it pertains to the practice of medicine. So there's a big push on that side. But on the other, to your point, there's a real push to say, look, a lot of these things were things that we knew needed to be done to advance healthcare in the modern world, and some of them should persist. And so the other thing for people to really watch is what makes it into the end of year legislative package, particularly as it pertains to virtual health. And also, is there going to be any economic relief for hospitals and for physician fee schedules? Not just lab, we've talked a lot about salsa and pama and lab cuts there's other cuts to the physician fee schedule that they're out there so all of these things come in the balance so i think just for everyone probably what, what makes it into that end of year legislative package which will probably be announced i think the 23rd so in a couple of days maybe by the time people are listening to this podcast that'll be known that might also then forecast how long the public health emergency will persist i think most people are predicting it'll probably be expire in april or sometime in the early to mid spring of this year, of this coming year, I should say. Looking yeah, and I know there's been some talk that this probably wouldn't be the right time to end the public health emergency now with this still being a pretty big season for respiratory viruses. And yeah. I've been hearing that, you know, there's shortages of cold medicine and the types of medications that we use for respiratory virus symptoms. So Clearly, there's still a lot going on with respiratory viruses, and we just interviewed Matt Binnegard. We're talking about influenza, RSV, and COVID. 
but that'll probably start winding down in the coming month. And then I think it would make a little bit more sense to talk about ending the public health emergency. Yes, as you look forward to 2023 beyond that, I do think there's been a real struggle with drug shortages. I think there's now over 100 medicines that are in short supply in the United States. Many of them are really critical for routine care, things like child's Tylenol and also amoxicillin. And so a lot of this is there's going to there's going to be, I think, a reevaluation of how the federal government secures a sufficient supply of critical medications because as drugs, just like everything else, just like we don't like want last to be a commodity, as some of the drugs become generic and the margins drop, that means that there's pressure to be more efficient in their production, meaning fewer producers, right? Which then makes the supply chain more vulnerable to shortages. And so I think that's the next thing we'll see, I think in the coming year, there's a lot of talk about how does the federal government look at supply chain and healthcare? What are some of the protections to make sure that we don't run into these critical shortages? And we've had a number, and you look at just the last year, there was x-ray contrast, there's been a number of drugs. I think that's one thing people can really expect. There to be a lot of dialogue at, at next year will be around supply chain and healthcare. Yeah, I agree, Bill. And I think also workforce shortages are going to continue to be an issue. And that goes anywhere from, you know, the people that are boots on the ground doing accessioning, doing testing to oversight, PhD and MD lab directors and pathologists. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think you're right. So I think as we come through 2023, I think from my perspective will be, okay, the wave, the giant wave that was COVID in terms of its just impact on all of us on healthcare, that piece will begin to recede. It won't be the big waves, it'll still be the waves hitting the shore, but it won't be this giant wave. But as it recedes, it's gonna leave the landscape change. And I think one of the things that was a concern going in, but pre-COVID, there were long range concerns around the healthcare workforce. On the good side, it's accelerated a lot of things like virtual care. On the negative side, it has accelerated a lot of things like retirement and exodus of workforce from healthcare was something we're gonna be contending with in spades in 2023, because the measures to address it like automation, AI and machine learning that can help with clinical decision support and even lab operations. Those things are great, but they're not going to be available in 2023, almost certainly, right? So we're going to really be thinking creatively about how we maintain ourselves in the current state as we move to the future one. Yeah, absolutely. Efficiency, thinking creatively, those are all going to be so important. We're seeing that in my lab with parasites, parasite testing. A lot of people have taken down the standard parasitology testing, sending them to our lab. That's great. But at the same time, that's a lot of volume. We have to think creatively and we could talk about at some point in the future how we're going to be using digital pathology and artificial intelligence to help with that as a tool to help our technologists. And we have to think creatively about staffing. People don't want to work the midnight shift. Maybe there's a few out there, but most people don't. So the competition for people who can offer the Monday through Friday, nine to five shifts, everyone wants those jobs and not the other ones. Yeah. So we have to really think creatively and really reassess for the coming year. Yeah, I agree. And I think the two things I would say for our listeners is that particularly if you're in lab medicine, is to continue to internally to elevate concerns and engage in, in discussions as you can around your organizations because they're feeling the pinch. Just in Minnesota, we've had two impending nursing strikes that have been forestalled by salary increases at some at many of those hospitals. Again, 
that puts a pinch on other areas. So it's important to maintain your advocacy internally. And the other is that the reality is that lab medicine is one of the most heavily regulated areas of medical practice. And so I think for us to continue to stay engaged with regulators, because regulation, when you say that word, it doesn't automatically engender thoughts of creativity <laughs> and flexibility, which mm -hmm. means that we're going to have to continue to advocate no matter what happens with ballot or anything else. We're going to have to really stay engaged with FDA and, and regulators to make our point. As a, for instance, I think the FDA has stated that image analysis will be considered software as a medical device if it's being used for clinical decision support, meaning algorithms that might help us in diagnosis of cancer off of slides and things or parasites or anything else. So I think really understanding that the flip side is no matter what, I don't think MDA is, I know FDA having had a conversation with them last week, they don't want to be seen as people, as a group that's inhibiting innovation. That's really going to be important for patients. They just want to make sure that it's safe and reliable. And so I think that's what the, the mindset going into 2023 I think we're, the labs are going to have to really contend with being more engaged with regulators at the state and federal level, no matter what happens legislatively. Totally agree, Bell. Makes sense. We have to stay engaged. Yep. Well, it'll be an interesting year, I'm sure. Yep. I'm not going to predict if there'll be any new outbreaks or not. I'll just keep my fingers crossed that there won't be any new outbreaks. So we'll have to see how that goes. Any other last predictions on your end with well, your stress. profile I mean, without cutting yourself on the glass. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think honestly, the big thing is there'll be, it's gonna be a time of change. It's gonna be more dynamic than, than we're used to. There's gonna be a lot of societal stress. If you look just macroeconomically, there's still issues with disparities in healthcare that the COVID pandemic has illustrated both within our country and globally. There's gonna almost certainly be tough economic times in 2023. Most people are predicting a recession as another byproduct of the ongoing pandemic impact and, and the government debt, which was acquired crude during that time, all of that. So you say, what can I do? My own mantra, if I can't be the solution, I at least don't want to be part of the problem. Just really treating people around you as you hope to be treated. Being, I think every day thinking about something in every moment, if you can, but thinking about something that you're thankful for, you have someone in front of you and you're having a stressful day, just keep in mind, they probably are having a, maybe even a, a more stressful day or worse. I have to keep that in mind when I'm driving. I can, but no, but in all seriousness, I think that in, in our work to really be trying to be kind. We think about that this time of year, you know, we hear bells ringing for Salvation Army and we think generously, let's just try to be generous and kind no matter where we are, right? I, I think when we're talking to providers in the lab, a lot of times there's gonna be negative interactions. Look, they're stressed, you're stressed, the more that we can be kind to others, the more it's going to be reflected back on us. You know, I just tweeted an article about this yesterday. I think that's true for healthcare. I think it's just true for society. So I think I read St. Francis readings every morning to try and get myself grounded. But to be thankful, you know, St. Francis was great about kindness and gratitude. So try and bring that forward in some small way. So that's my own personal commitment to 2023. So I like that, Bell. I try to do that as well. Kindness and gratitude. And every morning I try to reflect on that. Usually in my walk-in, I try not to just prepare for my day as I'm walking in, but to look around and just appreciate being outdoors and then reflecting on what I'm grateful for. Yeah. It's a good way to start the day. Yeah, it is. It's a great way. And for me mm -hmm. personally, 2023 should be the year that I moved past having to have plastic teeth to something more <laughs> permanent after my bike accident. So uh -huh. that'll be something to be thankful for too. But I should be thankful also for these teeth that I've had. So you didn't have to have a gap tooth conversation with me weekly for the past 20 months. 
Bill, I'm just grateful that after such a crazy accident that you came out okay and that it was just a few teeth and not your whole face that got smashed. And so you're with us here and grateful for that. Yeah, well, I'm grateful for it too. And I'm grateful for, for you and for our podcast and for our ability to find time every week to share thoughts and ideas with each other and then with those who choose to listen to us. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Bill. I look forward to it every week. And yes, also great, very grateful to those that choose to be with us every week. So thanks to everyone and happy holidays. Wishing you all just a wonderful season with friends and family. Couldn't say it better myself. All right, until next time. Until next time, until, until next year. Next year. Happy holidays, right? everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.